0: We are continuing the series of life hacks, but before we get into it, let's just open up in prayer. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for another opportunity that we, the body, get to worship and honor you, Father. Thank you for this word that has been prepared straight from your Bible no opinions, just facts, straight from the word, Father, so that it may go on good soil, so that we may reap a harvest and share that harvest with those around us, Father. Thank you that we are not just hearers of the words, but doers also and thank you for your love and your grace upon us in Jesus name we pray amen so thank you thank you thank you so it's week 7 we are continuing the series of life hacks called this sermon's called building wise relationships how many of you have heard the saying before show me who you hang out with and that tells me who you are it's very true that our friends our family our close ones the people that we allow to speak into our life is what establishes the environment that either we thrive in goodness or thrive in not-so-goodness. It's either way. It is up to us to evaluate the relationships that we have. What is actually benefiting not just us? And it's not that we go for relationships because they benefit us, but are they actually adding value into our life or are they just taking from it? Are we adding into the lives of those that we have a relationship with or are we just taking from it? It is up to us as Christians with understanding and discernment to understand what kind of relationship it is that we want versus the ones that we have versus the ones we need to get rid of. Does that make sense? So in talking about that, we're going to start in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So in this verse, we see that our relationships have power either to build us up, to esteem us or to leave us worse off so again this is important this is important to evaluate and when we think about our relationships we need to understand the words that are being spoken into our life because those have even more power the words that we're allowing to manifest into our own lives the words that give us the authority the command because that's what words are they are a command there is meaning behind them my family it really bothers them when I say it. But sometimes, when, you know when someone says something, but it's not actually what they meant to say? So then you kind of just go along with it, and they're like, no, that's not what I meant. Well, say what you mean and mean what you say, right? That's important, especially for ourselves, speaking over ourselves, life, speaking over our friends, speaking life over them. So we got to be real diligent about who we allow to speak into our life. And in the Bible, there's a great example from Solomon's son, Rehoboam a young king. And in the Bible, we're going to read about Rehoboam's tragic mistake. So as a young king, he took over for his father, King Solomon, who in his day was the wisest man. Yeah. God blessed him with wisdom. And you would think being the son of the wisest man that he would have fallen in his footsteps. But as we're about to read in a minute, he really didn't. He really dropped the ball from the get go. So upon his coronation, the people of Israel came to him with a complaint based on the way many had been treated under his father's rule. So in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 4 through 10, it says, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten that harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days, then come back to me. And so the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. Remember, these are the elders. They've seen a lot, been through a lot. They have so many different experiences when it comes to running a kingdom, running a people, being leaders. Yeah. So he, King Roboam asked them, how would you advise me to answer these people? They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. So Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. So here's a problem. You went to the elders first, the guys who actually had the experience, the guys who actually have the position and title to speak and to advise a king, said, no, nah, that's no good. And then went to the guys you grew up with, the young men, who have the same amount of experience as yourself and said, no, I'm going to take these guys' advice. And I'm going to ask them what they think. There's a problem. We all see the problem there. There's no need to, you see it a mile away. But let's continue. So he rejected their advice. And in verse 9, he asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us. But make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Doesn't even feel right. None of that sounds like wisdom. But Rehoboam had the power to sway the people in his favor. Being a new king, a young king, he had an opportunity to do things differently. How many of us have ever gotten some good advice, not followed it, things didn't turn out good, and hindsight's always 20 was like, why didn't I listen to them? Why didn't I do exactly what was right in front of me? This is definitely one of those moments. And as we see from what happens after that, from turning away from the elders who served his father and who have led in wisdom for the majority of his reign as king, we see that the results were tragic. In 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 16 through 18, it says, When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel, look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. But as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled over them. So King Rehoboam sent out Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor." But all Israel stoned him to death. So the guy who was in charge, not King Rehoboam, but the guy underneath him who was in charge of enforcing labor, was stoned to death by his own people because of King Rehoboam's mistake. On top of that, King, King Rehoboam, however, managed to get into this chariot and escape Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. So not only did it have an immediate effect where now people left, they stopped following after the king, then he sent his guy who was in charge to go enforce his rule, he ends up getting stoned to death, but now it caused generation upon generation upon generation of rebellion to this day. So this one example of not seeking out the wise relationships, well he did, but he didn't follow through with it led to generations of generations of people rebelling against the kingdom of god essentially so it's important that when we seek out wise counsel we don't just hear it but actually listen and utilize it and at the end of the day it is up to us as christians to be the light when we say be the light that means walking in knowledge and understanding for those who have received the gospel the good news We are meant to be a light to this world. That means that they walk in darkness, meaning they don't know the truth. And it is up to us to share it. So practical lessons on choosing relationships wisely. If you don't choose relationships wisely, the wrong ones will choose you. So Rehoboam had wise counsel available to him from the very start. He could have been extremely successful as a king, but he neglected the wisdom he had. And if we're not careful, we can do the same too. Because we have wisdom available to us as well. And this wisdom that we're talking about is the word of God. Amen. This is not earthly wisdom. This is not our own understanding. This isn't, oh, I've been in my career for 50 years, so I'm, I'm wise. That's a part of the wisdom. But really, we're talking about God's wisdom. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 30, it says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. passage of scripture, you have to understand the whole beginning part. Because the last sentence is great. Christ came to die for us, give us the Holy Spirit so we can be saved, wisdom, all that. But the, 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 the first couple of verses in this passage of scripture we read shows how God took the things that you and I could never make possible and made them possible. So that we could never say in our own power, in our own strength, in our own understanding, look what I did. It's all about, look what God was able to do. Meanwhile, we're just the vessel, the tool, the light shining. It's really God that's doing it. So we have to evaluate how we're using God's wisdom, not just in our relationships, but also how are we walking with it? Are we walking thinking like, oh, because I read the word and because I know this and I know that, I got my life together, you should listen to me? Or is it, look what God's done for me to get me to this point in life? where now I can share with you how to overcome it. So one of the ways God has done this is through wise people, who you have around you, constantly guiding you. But the wise people need to always be tested against the word. Any advice you get, there should be a scripture to support it. Because scripture will not contradict scripture. People may try to do that, but it doesn't work out. Scripture will never contradict itself. But wisdom and advice that you get from people should always be tested against it. There should always be something supporting what that is that you're getting. And wise relationships don't just happen. We have to be intentional about seeking them out. We have to be intentional about getting out of our shell, getting out of our own understanding, and really looking for a person that can show us the way. Because it's great to read the Bible on your own and do your own devotionals, but... We as a people are meant to be a people, not a person. We are a body. We are many parts of one being. So that means that we are able to bounce ideas off one each other. We are able to read the Bible. And if we truly don't understand something, that's why we come here to church, to find other believers so that we can start bouncing off with them and get that word from them. That's why we do connect groups. This isn't a plug, but if you're not in a connect group, you should join one because it's the reason why we do it. It's also a reason why we call it a connect group and not a Bible study because we are connecting you with other believers. We have a men's, a woman's, a young adult's, a couple's, a single's. There is anything that you are looking for, we try our best according to the plan and purposes that God has placed on Church of the Bridge to equip the people, you, to walk in it. And we have leaders in this church, not just myself because I really focus on the youth, but we have leaders in this church that have gone through these things gone through these experiences that you may be having but they will always point you back to truth the word it's always the word no opinions just facts from the bible and as we go along with this proverbs chapter 12 verse 15 says the way of fools seem right to them but the wise listen to advice the fool relies only on himself and his understanding but the wise man draws near to people whom he can listen to and gain wise advice. I shared this first service. I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've broken out of it a lot, but I've had the bad habit of just being solo, just doing it on my own. I work better as, by myself than to work with a team. And in my field of work, construction, like that never works out. If I'm the only person that knows what's going on, how can I lead my guys? Because they're not gonna know what to do. So through managers and bosses and supervisors, I've learned to, I got to learn to delegate and communicate. I got to learn that it's not just the Joshua show. It's a team. It's the same way we run things here. It's not just Pastor Jose, Pastor Annette show. We have leaders and appointed people that have a knowledge and a foundation of the word to guide and help others. Because if it only goes through two people, it's a choking point. We need to expand. As people, it is more than just one or the few. It is the many that will reach this world. Amen. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Relationships matter because they will build or break your character. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So when we choose the people that we will remain close to and that we will build a relationship with, that they will speak into our lives, we also choose their character. It's not just based off physical appearance. That may be a start, maybe what initially draws you into somebody, but at the end of the day, you stick with them as a friend or a loved one or a family member because of how their character is, who they are, their mind, their soul, everything. So... When thinking about King Rehoboam, we need to be mindful about the bad company that we keep. And the bad company not only impacted how he thought, but it impacted his character and the rest of his reigning as a king. In Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So we should seek relationships that sharpen us, add to us, cause us to grow, and make us better followers of Christ. Because if we don't, Those relationships will not sharpen our character. They'll dull it. Great example of this. So when I was in college, I met my wife. She she had an understanding of God but, like, didn't know God, if that makes sense. So when we we met in college, we were friends for six months. And during that six-month period of us being friends, it was – Really just us getting to know each other, just hanging out. There's a bunch of events at Delhi High that we went to. We went to SUNY Delhi High. I was in the construction management program. She was in horticulture. She was studying plants and things like that. And when we first met, it was, she's local. She's pretty, obviously. And I just wanted to get to know her. But what, what made our friendship so different was she was interested in learning about what I believed. Because i tell everybody this as soon as i meet people like it's kind of like one of the conversations that i have is i'm a pastor's kid always been a pastor's kid so i'm always going to be a little different than other people but i like it so if you don't like it i don't care but that's just me um but it was beyond that when i met her because she was asking like real questions so i would in order for me to be able to speak to her i understand what is it that she knew about god so there's times where i would ask her a question like oh what do you believe And she would say, oh, like, I believe the universe does this. And I would hear it, and I'm like, hold on, go to the Bible. And I would show her, like, oh, that's right here. And then she would say something else. I'm like, oh, wait, that's here, too. That's here. Like, everything that she believed, she was calling the universe, but it was really God. And I had to show her through word where it came from. So from that, our relationship was getting into, like, serious territory where we were thinking about putting a title on it. But for me, I'm going to be honest, I've shared this with my teens before. I've talked to girls, I've like had friendships with girls, but I've never dated anybody. Because the way I was raised, and if you know Pastor Roseanne, Pastor Annette, that was not happening. It was not happening. So when it came time in, in our friendship where we felt like it could go the next level, I had to take a play out of my mom's playbook. I said, listen, if we're gonna go down this road, I need you to understand that I don't just date nobody. You gotta come to church, you gotta know my family, You got to serve in my church. And more importantly, you have to have a relationship with God or else this ain't happening. On top of that, I don't just date anybody just to say, oh, this is my girlfriend. No, if we're going to date, it's to get married. So and I've only known her for six months up until this point. So it's like already talking about marriage so early. I know that's kind of like sketchy. But the understanding was like if you're really serious about a relationship, you have to understand what a relationship means to me. Because what a relationship means to me is what I was taught through my parents' example. You don't just give your heart to just anybody. So it came to a point where we were both fully committed and I said, okay, and I had to be smart about it. I was like, I need you to meet my parents. So it was like, okay, either I could do a dinner, but I don't know how that's gonna go because mama bear might come out and that's not gonna be good. (laughs) So then I had to like really think about it. So it happened that we had a day at the lake. And if you haven't been to one, you should really come. We do it every year. And it was like, this is a perfect opportunity because then there'll be like other people and won't be so awkward. So I invited her to day at the lake, told my mom she was coming. Meanwhile, my sister knew about Hannah like a month or two before my mom did. So when I told my mom, I was like, oh, I'm gonna bring this girl from school. She was like, what are you talking about? Like, who, bring, who's this girl? How long you been talking to her? The whole nine. And my and my mom, passed her Annette, she won't admit this, but the entire day at Day at the Lake, she did not talk to Hannah. Like, not even once. Like, she said hi when we first met, but the, the whole time we were there, like, my aunt was talking to her, my sister, other people from the church, but my mom, like, literally, literally did not say a word. And that's why I was smart, because if it was at home and we were, like, eating dinner, my mom would have been paying like, 50 questions instead of 21 questions. It would have been, yeah. And so the reason why I share all this is because this relationship that I was starting, I knew what the plans and purposes I had for it. And I understood that I have to show her why I value this so much and prepare her for what was coming so that if she was feeling the same way and she wanted to take it to that next level of us putting a title on it, this is, this is the ground rules. This is the checklist. You got to have faith. You got to believe. You got to read your word. And going back to Proverbs 27 about how iron sharpens iron, Because she was asking me these questions in our relationship, it really forced me to know my word. Like I had to be ready because she's asking me questions about things that she kind of grew up in church, but they didn't teach her the word. They just kind of threw the word at you and gave you the law. So now I'm trying to tell her, well, God's not a hammer. He loves you. He's a father. It's like news to her. It's the first time she's ever heard it. So it made me have to prepare myself as a believer to get ready to show her God's love. And it made me a better person and then we ended up getting married having kids the whole nine, but it's, it's, thank you, thank you. It's, it's, it's so important that the values are there because if they're not there, it's doomed to fail. And the values that we place are what the Bible says. So moving on from that, wise relationships come with wise experience. Notice that the scripture tells us that Rehoboam's friends were young men who had grown up with him. This tells us a lot about how things went wrong for him, because his friends had the same lack of experience as him, probably grew up in the same situations and customs and cultures. They didn't have the same perspective that the elders had. So wisdom does not come from the relationships at our current level. It comes from being in relationships with people who have more experience, the right experiences. You should never ask your friend who has the same amount of experience as you what to do about running a business if they've never run a business before. You should be looking for someone who's ran a successful business and try to pick their brain. And that's that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about going after wise. We should be seeking upward for people when it comes to relationships and seeking wisdom. We should be seeking people that have a proven track record with walking with God because it's important applying his word with success and continually growing and maturing. And the Bible gives us another great example of that in 1 Kings chapter 19. So God had told prophet Elijah to go and find Elisha. I got to always do that. I said it first service, I'm to say it again. When you say Elijah and Elisha real fast, they kind of get mixed up. So bear with me if I sound weird while I'm saying it. So when Elijah saw Elisha, he found him plowing fields, And went to him and placed his cloak over Elisha's shoulder. And cloaks in those days were like the badge, that was the symbol of your standing, of your authority. So, Elijah giving Elisha his cloak meant this is gonna be that guy. This is gonna be the next prophet of Israel that's going to declare what God's word is. And since everyone knew that Elijah was a great prophet, this signaled to Elisha that Elijah intended to pass on his wisdom, his experience, and his anointing to him. So Elisha knew the wisdom and power with which Elijah lived, and as a result, he trusted his experience and, that, and the call of God that was made to him. So in 1 Kings 19, verse 21, it says, So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So realize Elisha's values, Elisha's understanding led him to say, if this is what God's calling me to do, I need to get rid of what's in my way. His profession, his livelihood, how he made his money, how he kept his household. He burnt it all. And instead of wasting it, he fed his servants and the people with what he had what, what he had cooked. And it's so revealing to us what Elisha's heart was, because. He valued the God that was in Elijah more than his own profession, his own understanding, his own securities. He valued what God had for him more than what he had for himself. So he burnt it all and he valued the relationship that Elijah was going to start with him. He valued that, Okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to be committed to this because this man is the prophet of Israel. This ain't just nobody coming up to me randomly. This is that guy. This is that guy who proclaims the word of God coming to me and telling me that, okay, I see something in you, let's do this. And as Christians, we have to understand that relationships are a two-way street. Yes, we're talking about how we should be evaluating the relationships and what people are pouring into us, but we as Christians need to evaluate what are we doing with the relationships that we have now? Are we wasting that opportunity that God has given us to pour into those around us? Are we being the wise person that we should be in the relationships that God has given us? What are we doing with the tools and the resources that God has given you? It's a two-way street. Our relationship with God is a two-way street. I said this first service. It may sound weird to some of you, but every morning, it's a little different now than what it used to be. Every morning on my way to work, I got about an hour drive to get to my project. And that entire time, I am physically talking to God. Just like I'm talking out loud now, I talk with God and I'm having a conversation with God. So I used to do it where I'm just kind of like listening in my head and I'm talking to God. I got music playing, but then your mind gets distracted. You start thinking about work. You start thinking about, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. So I I had to stop that because I wanted to give the same value in my relationship that God was putting into me. Because what would happen before, it's like when you go to make plans with friends after you're done hanging out. Like, oh, yeah, we should do this again. Oh, I heard about this place. We should go hang out. And you make plans, but you never actually do them. That's how my relationship with God when I was talking to him was at, was at one point. So it's like we turn to God and we say, God, I want you to use me. Let me be your vessel. I want to have this ministry idea. I want you to, to share your knowledge and wisdom so I can share it with others. And then we turn this way and then we start going about our day. Never actually following through with that plan. That's an that's a example of a one-sided relationship. All we want to do is receive, 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 but we're not actually doing any, anything with it. Another type of relationship that we need to think about as a two-way street is the relationship with ourselves? And I know that sounds weird, but sometimes we're the hardest on ourselves than anybody else could ever be because we know our own insecurities, we know our own faults, and instead of pouring life and wisdom into ourselves, we just tear ourselves down. And in order for us to love people, we must love ourselves first, following God's example of what love is. And in order to do that also, you have to understand what the word says about you, because it's easy to say, oh, I'm a failure. I, I, I really dropped the ball. Oh, I need to clean my act up. I need to do this, do that, do this, do that. But that's not what God's life for you is about. It's not about what we do. It's about how we live and our understanding of who he is to love God and to love people, if all we do is ever beat ourselves up, that is us blocking God from operating in our life. That's us playing defense against what God has already given us because we're disqualifying ourselves before God is already qualifying us. So it's important that how we view the relationship with ourselves is meant to build ourselves up because the, the word of God says that we are a salt to the world, a light to the world, above, never beneath, leaders, not followers, the head and not the tail, We are healed, strong, bold, courageous, faithful. We have the fruits of the spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of us. Are you tapping into that or are you disqualifying yourself and blocking yourself from receiving it? Think about that. Think about how your relationship with yourself is because that's how it starts. Building yourself up, building that confidence and that courageousness to share this word. Then you start to evaluate the relationships you have with those around you, because if they're giving you words that are tearing you down, all of a sudden now you may not realize it, but that's in your that's in your mind. You're holding on to that at some point, and you may not it may not in that moment tear you down, but it's always there. So the people that speak into your life need to speak life, need to speak power, need to speak God's word into your life. And if they're not, it's not about cutting them off and saying like, "Oh, I can't hang out with you no more," but it's the value of the relationship needs to change. When they say something that's tearing you down, you say, no, that's not me. Because X, Y, and Z. You support it with the word. You go after it with the word. So as we close here, I want everybody to understand that this is important for us as Christians to not just hear this message, but to be doers of it, to evaluate your life, to evaluate the relationships you have with God, with people, with yourself, with your friends, your family, mom, dad, Husband, wife, significant other, people that you're starting to get to know. It's important that we set those values as the forefront. And if the relationship's not hitting them, it's not worth it. We need to seek wise counsel. We need to go after this word. We need to live by this word. And it's okay to stumble and fall, but don't stay there. You gotta pick yourself back up. You gotta get out of that. And that's why it's important to have people around you that can pour life into you Because if you just are by yourself and all you do is feel like you're just tearing yourself down, who's supporting you? If you do it all on your own, you're carrying all the weight by yourself. That's not how we're meant to live. Going back to how when me and my wife were first dating and we officially became boyfriend and girlfriend, my mindset was I need to be yoked to somebody who believes like I do so that we can support each other in this life and not just be trying to go in our own directions.